If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, welcome to the latest episode of the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like, just not sports. On today's show, we will talk to beloved Chicago sports broadcaster Lawrence Holmes, one of the truly good guys in sports about his love of donuts, and we will watch him geek out with our own resident donut maker, Gareth Hughes, about the best way to deep fry dough. Plus, we'll break down all the things around sports that aren't sports, including the fanfare of the NBA All-Star Weekend and the new trailer for the Kyrie Irving movie, Uncle Drew, also known as White Men Can't Jump Higher Than Old Black Men. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. And joining me on the phone, also in the Windy City, he is a PR professional who has logged time with the University of Colorado, the Green Bay Packers, and many global sports brands. It's Adam Allard. Adam... What is your, uh, I guess, do you have have an all-star game, NBA all-star game favorite memory? Yes. The 2000 Slam Dunk Contest with Vince Carter that I watched with my roommates um, in my apartment my sophomore year in college. Uh, One of my friends had brought a girlfriend over to introduce me to, and I, not to be cool, but because Vince Carter's historic performance was happening i don't think i said a word to that girl the entire night so that is very memorable still to me including all the jordan and dominique wilkins uh contests still the best single uh single person dunk contest performance ever and i rewatch it at least once a year that was a really good one. Mine would be uh, Magic Johnson hitting the three-pointer in the year he came back after his retire his first retirement uh, after the you know HIV announcement. But I did I did watch that Vince Carter one in a off-campus house uh, during college too, and it was that was the first time I was excited by the dunk contest in years. <laughs> we cannot overstate that. This year's was pretty good, but it's really hard that the bar was set so high 18 years ago and still hasn't been reached. Vince Sanity, also with us in our Brooklyn Bureau, it is seven-time Emmy-winning sports producer Gareth Hughes. Gareth, any slam dunk and or NBA All-Star game moments that stand out? Yeah, it was, as you guys were talking about it, I remember, uh, I remember really vividly staying up and watching um, D. Brown win on the eyes oh yeah no look yeah which is still like that's a cool profile you know like that looks cool and even if he didn't have a great career like that moment will stand out i also remember watching vividly the cedric sabalos dunk contest when oh yeah that that one has not aged as well 
<laughs> so uh, that's kind of when it started to enter. In. I remember when like it started coming out that like Michael Jordan will not be taking part in the dunk contest, and everyone was thinking like as a kid thinking why, and then kind of realizing like oh it has nothing to do with the game of basketball. Kind of set a trend of stars not part- participating. Kobe participated in one early in his career, but that's before Kobe was Kobe. I, I really blame the end of the all-star slam dunk on LeBron because Jordan, Kobe, all those guys would do it early on. And then LeBron was the first sort of, I, as far as I know, non-center to just like sit it out entirely. Credit for riding Laura Ingram's coattails and blaming LeBron for killing the dunk contest. Way to go, man. <laughs> we'll get there. Look at them. Look at them just not doing the dunk contest. Can you believe that? <laughs> All right. Well, right now, we're going to take the open of the show and make it wide open. Anything around the sports world that is not sports is fair game. Uh, guys, I'm going to start with what I can only... I guess describe as one of the event movies of the upcoming year. The first trailer dropped, uh, and in an era when we now have trailers to the trailer, this one deserved a whole week, you know, a whole week's worth of buildup because, of course, I'm talking about Marvel's Uncle Drew movie. No. This is most likely DC. <laughs> this has DC written all <laughs> over it. The backstory, Kyrie did a Pepsi commercial years ago now where he dressed up like an old guy and was in the park like doing playground basketball like an old guy. And it was one of the best athlete commercials I've ever seen. It was it was really well made. He did a couple follow-ups the next few years with guys like Kevin Love and stuff like that. And it was, it, it, you know, it was a beloved character. Now they're turning it into a movie. And once again... Uh, it's like Hollywood is reading my dream journal because they have cast <laughs> Shaq, Reggie Miller, Chris Webber, Nate Robinson, all as old, uh, Lisa Leslie, all as old, you know, old former ballers who are coming back for one last, one last ride. I cannot tell you how excited I was to see this actually coming <laughs> and to say that I was not totally horrified by the trailer gareth you are you are a producer director what did you think of the quality of the movie we're talking about here when i saw the trailer i thought to myself as i said in our text like why does this movie exist i think that as much as as much to do with its roots as like i don't know that's partly me having my like my guard up against a fully branded film experience but to your point brad and to answer your question uh it i liked the trailer and i thought well that's like that looks like a fun colorful summer movie uh the cast is kind of awesome um that excited me i liked i was as it went through all the basketball players uh, I was getting more and more excited. Uh, Lil Rel Howery was great and Get Out as the comic relief. Gareth, according to the Golden Globes, um, all of Get Out was comic relief. Right, well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> touche. Uh, he was the one part that was not documentary. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to buy a ticket to see that one in the theater, but I will. What? I would watch it on television. Gareth, the sign of a good movie is when you have a star that you can just put all over the trailer and, and really, really use use the, the star's performance and, and magnetism on screen to draw in potential viewers. So I, I did the I crunched the numbers here. Uh, this is not the case with Kyrie Irving, unfortunately, <laughs> because he has more he has more dribbles than lines in this in this movie trailer. I counted nine <laughs> dribbles and I counted seven lines. He so here are the seven. Hold my nuts. I'll do it on one condition. It's it's gonna be my team, my roster. Don't be slamming my door. Get, gotta get the boys. Heads up, man. You don't stop playing because you get old. Because you stop pre- yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. And then that sucker punch is the first three throw free throw you've ever made. That's seven. I counted nine dribbles. So Adam, what does that tell you about the the, the acting prowess of our protagonist? I don't think there's any emphasis on acting in this movie. I had to first look up if Tyler Perry was involved. And um, Brad, Brad, this is a black film. So um, you are more than welcome to watch it. By all means, please go. But uh, the director, Chris Stone, here's his list of movies. Drumline, Paid in Full, Mr. 3000, Crazy Sexy Cool, the TLC documentary, Leela and Eve, stepsisters and now uncle drew Shaq looks like the black logan like the old <laughs> old version of wolverine as a seven foot seven foot african african-american gentleman and they Don't even they make, make that, that joke, joke in the, in the trailer. trailer though yeah. yeah they do which is great reggie miller looks exactly like kareem abdul jabbar like it's on in fact the first when i first saw it i was like oh they got kareem to be in this but reggie miller looks exactly like him he i does. mean it, it it was great. Now here here's my here's my final point on this because look we're gonna I'm sure we're gonna talk a lot more about this when the movie comes out. No, I posit <laughs> I posit this should be part of because we all know it's not about the movie it's about the franchise. Sure, this should be part of what I what I brand as the Rucker expanded universe where they connect oh. this film they connect this film to White Men Can't Jump and Above the Rim. So here's my plot thread. And okay, you ready? He got. And he got game. Yeah, well, I'm not there yet. We'll, we'll write that in later okay. like Ant-Man. But right okay, now, okay. I think Uncle Drew pushed the hoop on the roof back for the beginning scene of Above the Rim where the guy dunks off the roof to his death, carried that guilt, retired from Rucker. That allowed... Goat and what's what's their name? The old legends from White Men Can't Jump to take over Rucker or the, you know the, like sort of the playgrounds, uh, and a, w- ultimately open the door for them to get beat by Wesley Snipes and uh, Woody Harrelson at the end of White Man Can't Jump. So therefore, this movie sets up they're going to come back in the game. White Man Can't Jump is going to be like, no, we got to beat them to be the true champs, and they play back on that roof where Uncle Drew has to overcome the demons of the death he caused. <laughs> huh. I'll, okay, well, I have a migraine, but I don't know what else to say about that. <laughs> all right, that's all I'm going to say about Uncle Drew. Adam, <laughs> wide open, what do you want to talk about? Well, I know we're trying to keep it light, but I do feel we needed to address um, some news that happened in All-Star Weekend, and news, you could use that word, loosely but uh 
last week, uh, is it Lauren or Laura? Lauren Ingram with Fo- with Fox News uh, in response to I think to it's a Laura, com- but that says a lot that we're not sure. No, and I don't mean to be dis- disrespectful, and I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, uh, the Fox correspondent, let's say Lauren Ingram, uh, had some not-so-polite words about a conversation uh, that was videotaped for um, Bleacher Report. It was between uh, LeBron James and Kevin Durant talking about uh, politics. And, of course, you can't have a conversation without politics without talking about Donald Trump. LeBron commented that Donald Trump doesn't care about people or I think in, in harsh, harsher words, doesn't give a shit about people, uh, to which Lauren Ingram replied in a long monologue that LeBron James doesn't even have a college degree. He went straight from high school to the pros, and he should shut up and, jer- shut up and dribble, to which LeBron replied via social media, I will not shut up and dribble. And I thought, appropriately so, here's... And I don't know if this is a hot take, and I don't want to be nitpicky either, but I think what was most regrettable about this conversation, because Fox News is going to do what Fox News does, is when LeBron was asked about it during All-Star Weekend, he several times said, oh, I don't even know what this correspondent's name is. What's her name? Who is she? I don't even know what she is. And then proceeded and rightfully so, to get into a conversation about how he's using this platform to do good and to take a social stance. I think what was regrettable about that, and I don't want to be too condemning, but this is keeping focused on the mission and not on the argument. It seemed like a petty way for LeBron to address it. I think you can really address Hmm. this in one of two ways. Either don't respond to what she says at all, or really use your platform to talk about what the mission is. Um, and it felt really, a- as someone who does view himself as a leader, I do think we need to elevate to a greater uh, degree of diplomacy and ignore those comments. Um, and, and if you do have that platform, that was a perfect opportunity to talk about the things that you are trying to do for this country, not necessarily to rip this Fox correspondent, because that's exactly what she wanted. People who have never heard of her will now tune into the show next weekend, both right and left. And I think Hmm. that's what I didn't like about the conversation was that this person who was trying to get attention uh, by bashing someone more famous than her did exactly that. I do think there was an element of gamesmanship here on uh, Ingram's part uh, that she dropped this right around NBA all-star weekend for maximum penetration in the media. I, I have no problem though, with LeBron not being hyper diplomatic in that sense. Cause it just reminded me of rap beef where like, you know, the, the up and coming rapper looking for some attention would take a swing at Jay Z. And then the problem is that if Jay Z records a diss to that person it justifies it and jay-z can't do that so he would have been better i can see how he would have been better off not engaging at all but that is kind of the number one network on cable taking a shot directly at him so yeah and um, and 
And just to reinforce my my point about not being condemning, I think it's a natural reaction when someone takes a jab at you to respond defensively. But if he really does view himself as the leader that I think he can be, and by the way, I don't think I've ever been more proud personally of an athlete's development and realizing the impact he can have socially and speaking both verbally and with his financial resources. I just think in a, a country where we're so divided that you, I think, Gareth, what you said is perfect. This shouldn't be a rap beef, that there is a larger mission at hand, and that's that African-Americans um, are uh, a disenfranchised group, and there's a lot of things that they can be done within the African-American community and also bringing in mm -hmm. external resources that will help that community. But I don't want LeBron fans now trolling this Fox correspondent and getting away from what the primary point is. I, I think of this a lot. There was a Facebook clip um, that I'm sure everybody saw where Obama is speaking um, pre-election about uh, getting the black community to go out and vote for Hillary. There is a veteran in the crowd that has uh, a sign that is not complimentary towards uh, Hillary Clinton or Obama. And the crowd boos him. And Obama reminds the crowd, hey, hey, let him go. This is not our focus. You guys are not focused. Let's focus on what's at hand. And, and I don't mean to be too serious here. I just think it's this was a reminder to me of, yes, there is a lot to be done. There's a lot of good to be done. And I'm very proud of the way NFL and NBA athletes have taken a stand. But let's stay focused on the objective and not the squabbles. Yeah, Adam, I'm glad you brought up that, that Obama uh, reference. It reminds me on the other side of the coin when he was running against McCain in 2008 and the woman in McCain's crowd got up and, and said, Obama is a is a is a Muslim is a terrorist and McCain was like no he's not he's a good man and and right. increasingly I find myself saying everybody needs to turn down the volume and just like you said I, I think what you said was very eloquent focus on the mission and and whatever your mission is well there is no better transition from talking about the incredible. Uh, dynamics around social media and our overall, um, you know, just societal issues to talking about donuts, which is why right now we're <laughs> going to go to our interview with Lawrence Holmes. Lawrence Holmes, you know him from WSCR, The Score in Chicago. He's really one of the good guys of sports media, just a, a fan favorite, someone that is uh, is beloved, not just in Chicago, but all over. And we broke down Lawrence's love of donuts. Gareth, I mean, you were part of this and you were a donut maker. In 30 seconds or less, give us the hardest thing about making donuts. Well, the hardest thing about making donuts is timing. You're timing things rising in the proof box as you're rolling donuts out. And then you start to have to fry them because they're ready with the yeast donuts. So, like, you can really train wreck a night if you're trying to... If you time that wrong, that's the hardest part of making donuts. Yeah. Hey, look, I used to come visit you making those donuts in the parking lot like 11 o'clock at night, man. It's, it is a grind. So enjoy the interview. It is great. After that, we will be back to distract you. Stick around.
Okay, so when Brad and I were growing up together in southwestern Ohio, uh, I think I was a junior in high school, and a friend of ours, Angie Henniger, um, her family had just bought this donut shop that we always would drive by. And I was like, oh, man, I love that place. And I would joke around about it with her. And then she just came up to me one day and she was like, do you want to work there? Like, do you want to make the donuts? And I said, okay, sure. Like not knowing what it would entail, but I needed a summer job and it was as good as any I could think of. And so I got a job working the night shift at this donut shop out in Millville, Ohio. And I liked it. I liked the work. So then after that, I got a job at the Oxford Donut Shop in Oxford, Ohio, and I worked there on and off for about four years. And then I graduated from college and in an anti-intellectual piece of rebellion against my professor parents, I became a pastry chef, uh, building off of my extensive knowledge of donut frying, uh, which I then did till I was around 24 and then... Somebody saved me from myself, and I got a phone call and started working in sports television. In the words, to paraphrase John Belushi in the Saturday Night Live sketch, I've uh, logged a lot of miles, and I've downed a lot of donuts. So when I heard you were into this, I was like, oh, oh, let's go. I'm in. Absolutely, man. Like, I, that's a fat, can you still eat donuts? I, okay, so I'm gonna I'll, I'll come right out and say this. Like, no suspense here. I think a hot glazed donut just right off the rack is one of the greatest foodstuffs known to mankind. I didn't know that if you got sick of it, because you know you hear about people who work in restaurants that you know they can never have that food again. No, I get that, and I've seen the dark side of donuts. I have some strong opinions. Which look, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm interviewing you, dude. Like. <laughs> How did you get into donuts? Let's talk about that. <laughs> well, I mean, look, I, I clearly have a sweet tooth. Like, that has always been my mm-hmm. thing. But we used to have well, – my parents moved out to – actually, I guess, wow, now that I really think about it, it goes back farther than when we moved out to the suburbs. So I grew up on the south side of Chicago in a neighborhood called Roseland in Chicago. Okay. And when I was in seventh and eighth grade, we used to – I went to a small Catholic school in the south side. But in seventh and eighth grade, I used to take classes at the public high school that was down the street. It's probably about a little, I would say a half a mile away from where this, where my school was. So we walked there every morning and there was a donut shop in between. And mm-hmm. it's the same thing you're talking about where their specialty were, were glazed donuts. And every morning you'd walk past and the smell, like the aroma of it would just be intoxicating. So usually on the way back from from my morning classes, I would I would stop in there with the group and and we get a donut. So I'm guessing that that's probably where it started. And then when my parents moved us out to the suburbs after I finished eighth grade, there was a really incredible donut shop in in the suburb that that I went to high school in Homewood. And on on Saturdays we would go there and. I, that's kind of where I fell in love with it. I have some strong opinions about donuts too. Um, mm-hmm. I, I seem to be more cake than yeast when, when it comes to my donut consumption. Hot take, and here's something, Hot take right there, Lawrence. I know, right? Because a lot of people are very <laughs> yeasty. Um, yeah, I'm a yeast guy. That was going to be one of my questions. So I figured out when I was, I was just in Arizona 
uh, a few weeks ago. I went down to Tucson. I'd never really been to Tucson. So, of course, like if I go someplace, I will check out what what people say is one of the best donut places. I went to a donut place. I'm not going to say the name. But I went to a donut place that was very highly recommended. And I figured this out about myself. If I can smell the grease in your donut shop, I don't want your donut. There are bad donuts out there. And there's a few different ways they can be bad. But one is too greasy. Um and I and I do remember at one of the donut shops I worked at, it, I, I once described it as like after I would get off work, I, I was like, it smells kind of like the best parts of a dead fish and a fart smell. Like yeah. that's what you smelled like <laughs> after like wallowing in that grease for a full shift. So that grease gets pretty gross. You are not wrong. Yeah, I, I, I likened it to that first time that you drive after an oil change. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that kind of smell. Where you're like, what? Oh, yeah, I just got the oil changed. Okay, so it's burning hot right now. But I knew that, that, that I walked into this place, and I was like – and, the, and the, the donuts were beautifully designed. Like you're looking at them. They had a lot of different flavors, like a lot of interesting things. Uh, there was a Trace Leche's donut that I that I was kind of interested in, and I was like, no, I can't do it. Like, I just can't. So it's one of the factors that I usually put in when I'm I'm choosing whether or not I like a donut place is if I can smell the grease, that's pretty much it. Like, I'm, I'm walking out, and I'm not going to buy anything. I want to talk about current donut trends. I think it – look, is, for a snob like me, I like your donut history – I think you're showing great taste here and like refinement with the way you're talking about the grease and things like that. You prefer cake over yeast. So that's a difference we have, but you're clearly passionate about the topic, but what level complicated are you looking for in a donut? I'm I'm not looking for anything complicated because to me, if you can't get a glazed donut or a chocolate cake donut, right, then I don't want to try your fruit loops donut. You're the man. I love where your head's at. I like you have like we don't have to agree on everything, but you have like the perfectly refined pat. Like this is one of my worst. <laughs> this, this is really bothering me about donut trends where everything is like peanut butter bacon or like Fruit Loops or like something excessive. I'm like, dude, just like where's a chocolate donut, man? Yeah, like, those are like just those are like jelly beans that say like, oh, this one's cotton candy and this one's fart. Like, I don't need a bag of that. I want give me like Starburst and let's go with the let's just dial up the original flavors. You know what I'm saying? Where's purple? I remember when almost now that you brought up Starburst. Remember when like they came up with like tropical fruit Starburst? Oh yeah. And it's like can I can I just have my pack of cherry and strawberry and yeah. let's just call it a day? Yeah. Throw, let's just be done throw with the it. lemons out and let me get to the other ones and let's go. Like, give me the <laughs> <Yeah>. essentials. <laughs> no, but you're you, you're so right about the, the, the way that it's almost like an arms race now in, in donut making where everyone's like, well, look at this crazy <laughs> donut that, that I can make and I can put something really ridiculous. Like, I have no... I will try a crazy donut if you can prove to me that you can do a regular donut right. And and I'm mm-hmm. going straight too far. Like if you want to put Oreos on top of a donut or whatever, okay, I'll I'll check it out. 
If you want to, there was a, I had a really great one at uh, Hertz Donuts. Uh, great name. And it's like a, it's you know, guy with with like his fist like or tattooed with the name of the place. But they had like a seesaw caramel donut, and it was delicious. And I said, okay, I'm I'm gonna try this. But it wasn't until after I had tried a regular glazed donut that I said they at least have the building blocks to do this next thing right. And a lot of people don't understand that that that's key. Like you walk into a place and you see like, oh, well, here's our special donut that we have on display. And then you try one of the like the regular signature donuts and you go, this is trash. Like I, I, I why in the world would I then venture out to to your concept donut that, that you're honestly just trying on me? You know, like you're trying to figure out if I get sick or if I make a stink face or or whatever <laughs> else. And all all I really want you to do is is make a good donut. And and the the perfect illustrator, at least in Chicago, for me is at Do Right Donuts. They have a a chocolate cake donut that has Valrona chocolate on top of it, and that is perfection to me. And it, and <laughs> the way that they it's a dot like I would call it a dollop of chocolate on top and they're Mm -hmm. very they're very particular in how it looks like how it's presented it also tastes delicious but the fact that there is some that you have one of the more basic donuts that you can make with just a very small twist and and a great presentation and it turns out to be an awesome donut i'm looking at a picture of that donut right now and i am loving what i'm seeing it is pure class i see the dollop that you're discussing and it's really just taking one taste of a higher level ingredient and elevating the entire thing i love it for me um donuts are a a nostalgic food uh when i was growing up uh my now late father uh uh used to take me for donuts uh, down the street when I lived in Baltimore and mm. we would go together. And so when I, when I started to have kids, I, I would always associate taking my daughter to the donut shop in a, in a more f- uh, family style of way. I'm just wondering, do you have any, 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 is there any sort of nostalgic connection you have to the food that it goes beyond just like you like it? Mm. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, now that you guys kind of awoke that memory of, of me as a 12-year-old kind of getting started on donuts, it also is kind of a thing where when I go visit my parents, I usually do bring them something. Like, I usually will stop off and bring them a donut from somewhere or something that I think that they'll like. And that's always fun when you get an opportunity to share it. So I think the more so me looking backwards all the way into my that's awesome i think that that's something that as my love for donuts has grown into adulthood the idea of sharing it with other people and uh, especially my parents like having them geek out if they knew that i was bringing over a donut or i remember the first time i introduced my mom to to the cronut and, and she was like what is this and i said well you know it's a it's a cronut and I and I, I believe it wasn't like I, I wait I gotta get this right it was a a, a donut right because a cronut is actually like copywritten so <laughs> so it was it was some sort of weird combination between donut and croissant but not <laughs> technically a cronut um and and she was like she ripped through it 
my my mom is very like she's very ladylike. Like she will eat donuts like a piece at a time, and she like tore through this thing because it was so good. Those are the types of things that that I now kind of associate. And and you know they, my parents look forward to if I go someplace like they'll ask me, well, did you go get donuts and and was there a good donut place? People now know you know via my my Instagram that. I'd go out and do this. So if they're going someplace, I I can put together a list of places for them to, to check out and try. And I usually try to give them some information and say, well, this is why you should go to this particular donut shop. And I'll tell you, like, sometimes it, it sometimes you find yourself in a neighborhood that you probably shouldn't be in, but it's, <laughs> it's, it, it's worth it. It's worth the trip. It's worth the journey. If you got something really good on the other end, my wife and I were in Santa Fe and we were going to museums and, you know, she's looking around. She's like, well, there's a, a donut place not far from where we went. We went to the, uh, I want to say it's called the Meowich Museum. Like it's crazy. Like in Santa Fe, I highly recommend checking it out. It is the trippiest museum I've ever been to. Mm. Anyway, there was a donut place about a, a half a mile away. We stopped in, you know, you start to look at the the artisan work that is done in a place like this. The thing that got me, they had a a blue corn donut hole. So think fritter, you know, like a a, a non-greasy fritter. And it was it was tasty and beautiful. And it was one of those things where I didn't need to do I, – I overdid. Like I got like two other donuts too. But I could have walked away having five of those and just said that was worth the trip. Like that was worth the extra effort to find a donut place because it was that good. What what do you pair with the donut? Are you a coffee guy? Are you a milk guy? Water? Like no, what's the drink? N- neither. I, I it's It's a strange thing because – I, I don't really drink milk that often. I don't drink coffee at all. I I honestly, occasionally an, an OJ, like occasionally. But then the you're worried. I'm always worried about the, the acidic content of the, the orange juice kind of messing up my taste buds for Yeah, dude, that's for, gross. For donut. That's straight up gross. I, not, not to go skip Bayless on you here, but like, come on, orange juice and like a chocolate, <laughs> a chocolate fritter. Get out of here, Lawrence, with that. What are you doing, man? That's a scorched no. earth. That's scorched earth. It's like it's like destroying your mouth and being like, now give me sweets. No. I, I agree. I I completely agree. And so I've I've kind of I have curtailed that that process now. But yeah, usually I wanna sit there and and just taste the donut. Like that that is now like my thing. Like I almost don't want to wash it down. Like I just wanna sit there and marvel at it and then enjoy it. To your travel point, and I think it, it comes up because you mentioned Santa Fe. The West Coast, if, look, West Coast, East Coast, and a rap battle. I I can't call it that. That'll go on forever. But West Coast, East Coast, and a donut battle. The West Coast destroys the East Coast. I try to explain to them all the time how the West Coast don't like when I run across a West Coast donut shop how different it is. And they're like, it's donuts. I'm like, trust me. Like even, even the chains out West, Yeah, I would put Bosa donuts up against just about any chain from the, the, 
the Midwest, the East, or the South, they because of their style. I mean, it's it's amazing. You're a hundred percent right. Well, Lawrence, in the Midwest, we had Gareth cooking them, man. Like, we, we take us out <laughs> of the equation. <laughs> you know, it's really yeah, that's true. It's East versus West. What are your go-to style of donuts that you that you would just say like the average person getting into the form because let's face it donuts have been demonized over the years uh, not many people would actually probably count them as part of a air quotes uh, a complete breakfast the way the kids <laughs> of the 80s did with our with, with our TV commercials so if if you were saying hey if you're at your local chain go for x y and z like what are some styles that you would say like wade in here well, I, I, I think simple is the best. I, and I try to explain that to people that like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask you to go check out a crazy donut. I'm not going to be like, man, you really need to check out this, this mocha fudge volcano lava donut that they have. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not doing that. I, I'm telling you to stick to the basics and then you can venture out from, from there. If you think that it's good, I, I'm a big proponent. There's a place not far from me in Chicago called Dat Donuts uh, that's on 83rd and, and Cottage Grove. And it's it's part donut shop, part barbecue place. So Perfect. the smell is amazing <laughs> when you walk in. Uh, and they, they have one of my favorite donuts. And it's simply a chocolate glazed donut. It's a chocolate glazed cake donut. It's so good. And what I like about them is they have figured out, like in their frying, how to make it crunchy on the outside mm. and how to make it. If you get there, you know, early enough, you get a fresh batch where it's crunchy on the outside, but it's like really chewy and warm on the inside. And that the texture matters, you know, like it, the donut may fall apart a little bit, but the way that it, the way that it it, it, it co mingles with your mouth is the reason why it's only like a dollar. <laughs> like it's, it's, you know, that's the other part. Like it's so great. Cause you can go there and spend $6 and, and, and get a half a dozen and share them and stuff. But it, the experience of tasting it, I think that that's one of the things that, that being a donut connoisseur has really taught me is instead of just scarfing them down like Homer, you know, you're you're sitting there. If you you should really try and taste it, and that donut kind of lends itself to it, and it's one of my favorites. So I I say that like again with the smell, like that's a big thing. I'm also a proponent of donut holes. I really am. Totally. That's where I think a lot of times you could see that it, there is beauty in simplicity, and if you get a glazed cake or a glazed donut hole it, it can it can just lighten your day you go wow that is that is tasty and give you get three of them you know get three of them and, <laughs> and you might be you might be satiated from from just eating those three so th those are things and then you can kind of you know get goofy if you want to if there's if there's a special but honestly like th that's why like that's why i was saying about um about me not being as big of a snob because i still think that at Duncan, their donut holes in in a, in some locations, their donut holes are still pretty good. Like the glazed cake ones are pretty good, but the more that they stray into doing like weird stuff, 
the more you're like, come on, guys, you're Dunkin'. Okay, so that brings up a big one for me. Are Dunkin' Donuts donuts donuts? This are I'm I feel like all of a sudden you became Kierkegaard um, <laughs> <laughs> or Nietzsche or something uh, on this. <laughs> That's what we do, yeah, Morris. Right? That's the Just Not Sports podcast in a nutshell, man. We're like philosophers. I'm. I don't hate the Munchkins. I'm down with that. But I will say, I don't like Dunkin' Donuts. Donuts like they aren't donuts to me. It's donut-like food. Yeah, I. It's rare that I will go and eat a Dunkin' Donuts donut. Um, I honestly, and and I'll just say it. The presentation, because you're mass producing them, I think that the presentation sometimes isn't as as good as it could be. And I and I remember when I was younger, it wasn't that way. Like when like you got to go to Dunkin' Donuts, like that was a treat of mm-hmm. going there, and you could get you know the double chocolate donut at Dunkin' was really good for a very long time. And I don't know when it fell off, but it fell off. And now you just kind of go ah. You know, I'd I'd, uh, I'd rather just have one of your croissant sandwiches and move on with my day. And maybe they've realized that too, because aren't they dropping donuts from their name now? Aren't they just going to be Dunkin'? Oh yeah, that's right. Good point, Lawrence. Can I? I want to ask you a question. If you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to talk about it. But I've heard you talk about it on the air, so I will ask you. You have, I believe, talked about um, having Crohn's, and yeah. I was uh, just curious how. I guess to me, that's a uh, it's something that people hear about a lot, but they don't really understand, or perhaps they misinterpret, or they have the wrong impression of what that entails. So I was just going to ask you, what kinds of dietary restrictions that entails, and has that affected your ability to eat the foods that you love, or driven you to donuts because it's a food that uh, perhaps is easier to ingest? I'm, I am glad that you asked that question, and you're, you're right. Um, so Crohn's disease is an autoimmune disease. Basically, your immune system attacks your digestive system. So I've had two surgeries uh, in – wow, let's see. I, I was diagnosed when I was 16. So I've had two surgeries in 25 years, so I consider myself really, really lucky. Um, my, I went through a, a stage where my Crohn's was in remission, and I've stayed for the most part symptom-free. There, there are some things that can trigger it, like like milk, for example. Um, being lactose intolerant, that's one thing that does. I have to be very careful. Like my wife came home tonight, like, and I, I actually asked for a milkshake, which doesn't happen. That maybe happens once or twice a year hmm. where I'll do that, and I actually feel okay, which is a good sign. Um, it also means that my omeprazole is working, so that's a very, very good sign. Hmm. But, yeah, one of the cool things, if there is a cool thing about Crohn's, is what doctors usually tell you is that you're kind of on a carbohydrates diet, hmm. you know, that, like, wow. because that's easier, at least for in my, in my situation, that's easier for me to digest than other food. So like if I were to eat raw vegetables, like salad, like that, I mean, that could straight up kill me be because it can, it won't get broken down. It won't get digested. And if it doesn't pass right through me, the, the idea that it could get stuck in my digestive system is a real possibility. So you have to you have to understand what you can and what you can't tolerate. And every patient is a little bit different. And they once you you start 
you know, after a surgery or once you get diagnosed, you kind of start out with, well, the brat diet, right? Where you go with banana sauce, bananas, applesauce and um, rice and toast. So I'm a, I'm a big toast guy. Like I love like in the morning, like after a workout, like I'll have my, my, my toast and with a little bit of honey on it or something like that. And it's a strange thing because most people will tell you, you know, don't eat carbs and mm-hmm. or someone who has Crohn's or IBS, it, it's, it's honestly like one of the better things for you to eat. So yeah, donuts play a role in that. And like my doctor, my doctor now knows like how I feel about donuts. The only problem is that in some cases, in my case, like too much fried food can be a problem as well. So you have to be careful about what you're eating and what you're capable of digesting. But that's, that's one of the cool like benefits of, of having Crohn's is I can be like, <laughs> yeah, bring on the car. <laughs> I love that you're selling, you're selling Crohn's in that way. And, and like I said, I've heard you talk very, I guess, very openly about it on the air, uh, which I appreciated. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I like, I, I guess I would say that the, the the, one of the tragedies of life is when people can't eat food they love, and it, it makes me happy to think that like you you have a real passion for donuts, and it's still part of your regular diet despite what you've been dealing with. Yeah, and what what sucks though is there's actually a semi healthy uh, a food group that I miss and I cannot have, and that's nuts and cashews. Oh, so, cashews, Lawrence! Ow, man, that's dude, brutal. Dude, not having and I can't have popcorn either. So, like going to the movies is um is is a is a fun experiment on what mm-hmm. what do I bring in with me? You know, what do I sneak in because there aren't a ton of options that that are great for like snacking. Like I, I feel like the movies I I do enjoy all these places that where you can order a meal and sit there and eat your meal, but I feel like movies are more about snacking. Than, than they are. So I've come up with a couple of different um, movie devices. Like I love uh, bagel chips. So I get my carbs yeah. and so you go bake. So you go, I go salty sweet bagel chips or my favorite is uh, you can do, I do pretzels too. Like, oh, like pretzels and, and M&Ms, but Cheez-Its and M&Ms, white cheddar <laughs> Cheez-Its and, and milk chocolate M&Ms. Are a great combo for the movie. Hey, Lawrence, that's like you saying Orton is better than Grossman. Come on, man. It's about the same. I, mean, I know it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of wash, beard. But yeah, no. But but like white Cheez-Its and M&Ms. I mean, just do pretzels, right? Pretzels and M&Ms. Like no, I I, I mean I do I do I like pretzels and M&Ms too. But I will tell you that it's the um, <laughs> Snyder. It, it's got to be specific. The Snyder Butter Snaps. Yeah. With okay. With milk chocolate M and M's is a fantastic combination. I'm gonna put you both on the spot to finish. Give me one, one flavor. You're at, you're at Duncan. What's the best Duncan since we since we've trashed them? What's Ugh. the best Duncan to get? Gareth, go first. Then Lawrence, wrap us up. Sure, I'll get a Boston cream. All right, there you go. I'm at Duncan and I gotta get one. Right, hmm. man. You have really put me on the spot. Here, I'll go next. I'm going. One. I'm going. Uh, you go strawberry uh, sprinkles because you're just it, it's like just make it like a cake, you know, just like pretend you're not eating a donut. I'm gonna go marble frosted. Yeah, that's that's solid right there too. 
I like that. That's a that's a nice easy pick, and you're good to go. <laughs> Lawrence, you are the king of donuts, and in, in in just not sports, I will just say that. And Gareth made them for a living for like ten years of his life, and you're still ahead of him. Lawrence, I'm really impressed. Oh, well, thanks. I'm glad that we got the chance to kind of talk. Trust me, we can keep talking about this. <laughs> so if you want to do a part two at some point, let part me know. Two. I like that. And we are back in the sports world. Athletes, coaches, media, they all get into things away from sports. And we, the fans, tell them to stop and to go back and watch game film. That's ridiculous. You are not a locker room distraction for being interesting. So on this show, we break down the things that are distracting us week to week. Uh, I'm going to let you guys go first, because I think uh, I think a little movie might have made some noise this week, but I'm not quite sure. Adam, what would you think of Black Panther? It was awesome. I know every reviewer is saying... It's awesome, but um, here's what I thought was best about this comic book movie compared to a lot of others, is not only was there development of an understanding of the main protagonist character, but I thought you really understood each of the characters that were part of the supporting cast and what motivated them and what their relationship were to each other, and probably... Uh, Eric Killmonger, played by Michael B. Jordan, probably the most interesting antagonist, and we say antagonist rather than villain for a reason, probably the most interesting antagonist in any Marvel movie. So some of the criticisms, the very few, some very few criticisms I read about this movie were that it was very heavy in dialogue uh, and slow moving at parts, which might be correct, but I think for a reason. They really spent a lot of time understanding the motivations of all the characters in the movie. And I know we're talking about a comic book movie, um, but I do think there is um, cultural significance beyond the fact that it's an all black cast that made me really enjoy the movie. Yeah, I saw it this morning with my father. Um, Look, uh, criticizing this movie is, it's, it's weird for me. Like, Look, it's a Marvel movie, and it's like, it, it, and you're always gonna deal with some of like the Marvel universe stuff, and like, there's parts of it that go too long, and it's an origin story, which is to say, it's like, everyone, uh, in some ways, it has to hit some of the beats that all those movies do. One of the things that I think it did brilliantly, this has nothing to do with, uh, social relevance or racial significance or anything like that was in getting around some of the problems that I think Marvel movies have had. You get stuck like whizzing through space or like across dimensions too much and just annoys me. This movie basically, I'm going to give away a spoiler of the first 10 seconds. In the opening 10 seconds, an asteroid hits Earth with vibranium, this incredible uh, element, and that's it. Like It hits this country, Wakanda, in Africa, and so you don't have to deal with space the rest of the movie. They managed to put space in this country, and so you can just keep everything earthbound, which helps it so much. And that's where a lot of these movies... Uh, particularly all the Avengers stuff just loses me half the time. Um, 
The other thing, and Adam, I have to give you credit. We were texting about the movie earlier, and I called Eric Killmonger. Uh, I think he was a bad guy or whatever, and you wrote back, no, he's not a bad guy. He's an antagonist. And that is, um, that was perfectly put, and it was an apt correction because he is so well written and performed, and his motives are so intertwined with the plot of the movie that that to me is what elevates it above standard issue i don't know marvel fair where you're just dealing with some alien or whatnot like that there's a real backstory and pathos to his character and his motivations um i will quote from film critic hulk uh there's he did a great piece on it this weekend but he wrote that to say that Killmonger is the greatest villain in the Marvel oeuvre is a disservice to the elegance of what is on display here. In truth, I think it's one of the best villains I've seen in the last 30 years. This is not just because of Michael B. Jordan's brilliant performance, but because Kugler takes the age-old lesson, lesson of make us believe your villain and understand him and turns it up to 11. Hell, with slight tweaks, Killmonger could just as easily have been the hero of this story. And that is really what makes it work in a special way from like a story standpoint. So, yeah, I mean, Gareth, I, that's exactly how I felt about Thanos in guardians of the galaxy when he just sat in that chair for 15 seconds and was uh, <laughs> the villain of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So look, I liked the first guardians movie and then I watched the second one and I was Whatever, we don't need to get in the entire Marvel Extended Universe here. Um, Gareth, I think it's only appropriate to end a conversation about Black Panther early to talk about the one with all the white people in it. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So No, but the other thing it did, again, not to get... You know, like, this is where it's interesting. Like, for all of its significance, it's also a really good movie. Like, the... Um, I, t I talked about this with Logan last year. Like the end, the final face-off in battle managed to avoid all the like just rubble fights that most of these Marvel movies descend into. Where it's just like I'm gonna hurl a building at you, and then I'll throw a car at you, and that just like kind of unfolds for 20 minutes. Like this was kind of like it became Black Lord of the Rings for a little bit there at the end. And but they did, they also did a great job with I mean it, it was a intense movie in a lot of ways but they brilliantly worked in humor throughout the film just at those moments where things were at their heaviest um, and mm -hmm. I really liked that uh, I loved the experience from uh, the crowd reaction I haven't heard crowds clapping and laughing to that level at a movie in a long time. So I don't want to spoil anything else for anyone, but definitely go out and check it out if you haven't. If it is, I know there are a lot of people, especially uh, my friends with kids and Brad, I know it may be a while before you get out to see it, but if you're going to see a movie at the theater, this is because of, um, because of the, the themes and just the really diverse crowd at the particular theater I was at, uh, it was just a really enjoyable movie watching experience. Yeah, I can't wait to see it on a flight in nine months to uh, exactly. like a flight to Minneapolis, <laughs> where I get like get like I get like half of it on the way there and half of it on the way back. But 
uh, until then, we will, we will, I will, yet another cultural phenomenon that is completely coming on without affecting my day-to-day life raising a baby. <laughs> yeah, right. Excuse me, um, before I start Black Panther on the way to this to Minneapolis, will I be able to finish it on the way back from Minneapolis? <laughs> yeah. Can you? Can I just take the same plane back after I do my meeting, even though uh, we have phones that let us see people on people's faces? <laughs> but I'm still gonna fly here. Anyway, uh, guys, my my distraction is um, a little bit different. I want to. I just want to shout out Chris Hardwick, who this week rebranded or I don't know if it's this week or a few weeks ago he rebranded his Nerdist podcast uh as uh ID10T with Chris Hardwick which most people who listen to the show may or may not know but it's a kind of a big deal in the podcasting community and the Nerdist along with the early Grantland podcast network were really the foundation of what I what got me into podcasting it was Hardwick it was Men in Blazers it was Jalen and Jacoby um, those type of Bill Simmons, clearly those types of guys. So, um, you know, I, I would say I really appreciate Chris Hardwick for, he does a ton of stuff. And then every week he was just putting out three podcasts, you know, and, and as the show changed and became more celebrity interview driven, he was still just grinding away and getting it done. So, uh, whether you like hmm. that show or not, um, I thought his I would go back and listen to his 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 nerdist where he talks about why and listen to how nervous he is announcing the change. And he goes through what I can only describe as like a 20 minute monologue about all the reasons why he's rebranding. And then it gets done and his two co-hosts are just like yeah, so it's a name change, right? Like everybody's just going to greet this as a name change. And then he's like, "Yeah, I get it, but I just got really nervous about it." And it reminded me how much we hate the name Just Not Sports and how we would love to rebrand it. And <laughs> maybe maybe now we can. <laughs> because I'm all for side hustle. We can just be side hustle. <laughs> That's interesting. The distractions, well, and I think, man. The distractions. I think probably it's funny because it, well, Gareth, you go through this too, but especially those of us in marketing, we have meetings, agonizing meetings about changing messaging or uh, how something will be framed up to a consumer. And then you notice six months down the line that nobody really noticed. It didn't impact sales at all. And it just made me think that Chris Hardwick, uh, as his star has risen, has probably had to sit in a lot more of those meetings. Um, and is influenced by the endless discussions in the marketing world. And at the end of the day, nobody cares that much. <laughs> I I still think, to your point about nobody cares that much, like one of the craziest like movie moments and images that just sticks with me forever, and it will for the rest of my life, is the very, very end of the Truman show when he gets out and everybody's relieved and then it just cuts to the two guys watching it and they're like, and like the, like Christoph, the, or the, the director is just, his life's work is over and Truman's free and it just cuts to the two guys watching it. And they're like, yeah, you want to see what else is on? Like (laughs) they just don't care. (laughs) And it's so true. And like, we will spend, like a really horrifying percentage of our lives in meetings 
trying to find the perfect thing for that moment when they're watching. And the second they're not watching it, they're like, oh, what else is on? Yeah, that's cool. Whatever. And um, that's the way it is. So good right. for him for rebranding and just making what he wants. Yeah, good for him indeed. And look, he sold Nerdist. So he's just walk. He's I think he's kind of like walking away and moving on to his next thing and taking his equity with him. So, okay. That is our show for this week. Want to start with a shout out to Lawrence Holmes. Uh, just a really great guy. Really fun conversation. Loved him opening up about Crohn's and, and, and just the effect that it has on his diet and how he manages that as well. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. Gareth, Gareth any shout outs from you? Uh, no, nah, I'm good. Uh, okay shout out to Kyrie Irving what I didn't mention is uh he is still my he is my favorite player in the league as a man in his late 30s it is nice to still have a favorite player uh mostly because I've never worked with him or met him so I can still look at him from a distance and admire him and the character that is Uncle Drew and shout outs of course to the usual suspects my boy Uzi, Jeff Jeff, Little Swanee, Meech, Ron Mack, and my other cousin Ron. And in the immortal words of Shaquille O'Neal, booty rappers, stay, stay booty. booty. Stay booty.